Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tennis Express. Please check them out this week by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. Thanks very much for joining me on today's episode. I have a very special guest on, Will Hamilton from FuzzyYellowBalls.com. You've probably heard about the Brian Brothers course that he has out for free right now. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to give you a little bit of a kind of an inside look of how the course came together, how we met the Brian Brothers, a little bit about how they're like in person. And we're going to talk about, we're going to spend the majority of today's show talking about doubles tactics and strategies and exactly what we can learn from the best players in the world, the, the Brian Brothers in uh, this particular instance. So with that, let's go ahead and get right to it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. My guest today on the Essential Tennis Podcast is Will Hamilton from Fuzzy Yellow Balls, the man that needs no introduction by this point. Welcome, Will. Hey, what's going on, Ian? How you doing? Not bad. I've got I've had a cold for two days, so I apologize if you hear some hacking in the background. I'll, I'll try my best to uh, keep it away from the mic. Uh, so I'm happy I've got you as a guest today. That can help me uh, relax my voice a little bit. Nice. Well, uh, I'm on a I'm on a cell phone because Irene knocked out all these landlines <laughs> around here. So I guess we're both struggling in in one way or another. Yeah. How about uh, you know we're both in the the D. Well, I'm in the D.C. area. Will's actually in D.C. Been a crazy week, huh? Between the uh, the earthquake and the hurricane, I, I'm not quite sure what's going on here on the East Coast, but it's been crazy. Yeah. And uh, what did you end up doing uh, Saturday night when the uh, when the hurricane hit? You know, uh, thankfully up by us and where we are, we're out near Frederick. We're we're further west. Um, we're about 45 minutes west of Baltimore. So um, we didn't really get a whole lot. I mean, it, obviously it, it rained, you know, hard for like a 12-hour period. But in terms of like wind and stuff, we didn't see we didn't see much here. So we're we're lucky. We were kind of right on the edge of it. Okay. Yeah, I was hanging out with my sister. And we lost power around eleven o'clock on Saturday night, so we ended up making. We had some flashlights, so we did shadow puppets for about an hour, and then that was the, yeah, it was, it was a, <laughs> that was the extent of my Saturday night. Nice. Well, thankfully, your your internet is still up, even though uh, the power at your parents is out. Uh, otherwise, I guess it'd probably be tough to run your your Brian Brothers course without any internet connection, huh? That would be a challenge. Yes, that would be very difficult. <laughs> so, speaking of which, let's go ahead and talk about that. How I, I'm, sh- I'm sure the first question that comes to everybody's mind is, how in the world were you able to get time with the Bryan brothers? <laughs> not, uh, you know, not, 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 not to say that you're not worthy of time with the Bryan brothers. I mean, come on, but I'm just saying. Uh, you know, it's the Bryans are. Um, I'm not sure of the exact word. They're, I think they're unique in the sense that they're really into the internet. They have a they have a Facebook not Facebook app a, a 
an iPhone app that really? um, yeah they, that's been downloaded a lot. I think it has a hundred thousand plus downloads. Um, they've done a little bit of stuff like this before, just kind of short instructional clips. So you know they're they're just interested in in, uh, in sort of what's possible with the web. So just kind of got a, a dialogue going, sort of their people talk to my people type thing. Um, and my people being me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it just kind of came together uh, in the late spring. And we we shot some of it in Kansas City. We traveled out there to, to shoot with them while they were playing world team tennis. And then we finished up in D.C. right before they played the Lake Mason. So it was... It was definitely, it kind of just came together very fast, to be honest. It was It was a little, I'm not really sure how to answer this question, because I don't think I know the answer fully. <laughs> this sort of happened. So, well, hey, I mean, congrats on, on being able to work with them. I, I'm sure that was really exciting. And I, before we get to the instructional stuff, I, I, I want to hear one behind-the-scenes story about the Bryans. You got to you gotta give us some... Uh, some, some kind of scoop on, yeah, I mean, what they're like, you know, in person, maybe maybe some kind of funny story that happened with them. Well, they are, well, yeah, actually, uh, sort of behind the scenes, not so behind the scenes as we got on video. Um, get to that in a moment. Just more generally, their, their personality, very, very cool guys. Um, they're sort of, they, they, I have a similar personality, or we, we have similar personalities, kind of uh, like to joke around and sort of have a good time, so... Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, they were they were they were awesome to hang out with, easy to work with. The thing that was that always impressed uh, impressed me from afar when I never met them, and then it sort of reinforced when I saw them up close. Is they're very very uh, generous with their time. They always sign every single autograph. And you know, this world team tennis match that I was at in Kansas City, there was a line that circled the court. Like, it started at the umpire chair or went around that end of the court and all the way to the back of the other side where they had set up a table to sign autographs. And they stayed there for probably 30 to 45 minutes signing every single autograph. Nice. Uh, and it's just, uh, it, it was impressive uh, to me to watch that. And then, actually, actually, here's a good, here's a good uh, uh, behind-the-scenes story. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you reminded me of this. Uh, they actually lost in the first round of the Lake Mason, which was, which was obviously unfortunate. And, and actually speaking of the autograph thing, even though they lost out, most players kind of just run off the court and, mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, want to get off the court as fast as possible. They, they walked towards the tunnel, a bunch of kids lined up to get autographs and they signed every single autograph. So nice. I was, I was impressed, you know, some guys when they win, they're happy to stay out there. And then when they lose, they rush off the court. These guys, Stayed on court, signed all the autographs, even though they had just lost uh, in the first round, which obviously, uh, given their their stature, had to be extremely disappointing. But during that match, early in the match, um, um, I was sitting directly behind one end of the court, like front row, dead center. And this is when, you know, early in the match, you have to think that they, you know, you, you expect if you're with the Bryans that they thought they were going to win. So... They sure. were they were kind of loose and they had gotten aced, and they turn around and they said, "Hey, Will, was that ball in?" Um, <laughs> just kind of jokingly, and then nice. I, you know, so the one of the concepts we talk about with this uh, free training we put together with them is the secret sauce, which is which means control the net, get as many easy volleys as possible, 
So I just responded, yeah, guys, it was in, but, you know, you need to use a little bit more secret sauce here. Um, and then we just had this sort of stupid conversation for about 10 seconds about the secret sauce um, and this other other concept they, they, they have called the Frisco Frizo. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm not going to explain right now, but it was, it was kind of a silly conversation in between points, um, which, which was funny. And, uh, and yeah, that was, that was actually early, early in the match when things started to not go so well, they kind of buckled down and, and weren't, weren't, uh, in the joking mood, but, but, uh, the, the video I referenced earlier, uh, when we were filming with them, they actually went through a how to chest bump, uh, sort of instruction ah, and they started, nice, very up, handy. yeah, and we started making up new chest bumps. So we've got one that's kind of like the matrix, which is cool. <laughs> So I got to figure out how we're gonna how we're gonna release this. We have all of it on camera, so it's pretty funny. Sounds like that could be your next uh, hit instructional course. The How to Chest Bump by Mike and Bob Bryan. That would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. On sale for seven hundred ninety nine dollars. Exactly. Um, <laughs> not sure who would buy it, but in concept, it seems like a good idea. <laughs> All right, so let so let's get to the uh, the instruction here. That's uh, that's what everybody definitely wants to hear about is what what you learned and and what they're going to be sharing with everybody during the free course. And unless you know, if if you're listening to this uh, podcast right now, I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard about the the free course that Will has put out. Unless you've literally been living underneath a rock, it's it's been out everywhere. But let's let's talk about exactly what you learn from them well and exactly what they're going to be teaching everybody that goes to check it out. But but first, I, I'm curious what your response would be to the question of, well, you know, my listeners are obviously, you know, recreational players, players that are, are looking to get better, trying to improve, working hard. And they, I'm sure that they're really interested in hearing from the Bryans and what they do to be successful. But realistically, how much can my audience really take away from that and use themselves? After all, the Bryans are world-class athletes. You know, they've been playing their entire lives. Can my can my listeners actually put into play the, the things that they teach? Yeah, I mean, that's that's an extremely good question. And when this thing came together with the Bryans, I, I sat down with them and I said, look, there's a lot of stuff you guys do that, recreational players, mere mortals, whatever, aren't going to be able to copy. Like, there's no point in talking about how to hit a 130-mile-an-hour serve because nobody's going to be able to do it. So we sat down and we're like, we got to figure out here what, uh, what you guys do that everybody can copy. Sort of a universal, uh, something that's universal and, and not only uh, applicable by, by a high-level athlete. And what um, what I sort of discovered when I was talking to these guys and uh, and kind of running through what they do is that for every situation that they're in, uh, no matter if they're serving, returning, when they're at net, when they're one up, one back, whatever, every, literally every common scenario they are in during a doubles match, they have a plan for it. They know what to do based on the scenario. And it struck me that, you know, these guys are extremely detail-oriented. They're extremely strategic, extremely tactical. And that is an area that a recreational player can copy. And to be honest, that's an area where most recreational players are extremely weak. They just kind of get out there and, and you know, play the point without giving it 
too much thought. Um, and I said, you know, hey guys, we gotta we gotta focus on the tactics and tactic strategies and whatnot here because this is really the area that a recreational player can emulate and can copy. So that was the the tact we we took there because that's the part that everybody's going to be able to uh, to copy, not sort of the the swing the racket part part where. Um, you know, like you said, they've been playing their entire lives. They can hit these huge serves and whatnot. That's not really a realistic thing to focus on. So uh, I, I want to get into the uh, kind of the plays concept and, and pick your brain about that in a couple minutes. But first, I, I'd really like to get your thoughts on what you learned as far as the specific tactics within those plays. T- tell us in general, and I, I heard you reference the um, secret sauce uh, a couple of minutes ago as, as it refers to their kind of an overall general tactical theory. Can you please talk a little bit about exactly what that is and how that can pertain to, to my listeners? Yeah, I mean, the secret sauce is control the net, hit as many easy volleys as possible. Basically means don't stay back at the baseline. Don't, don't you know, kind of play play doubles like in singles because when you're right on top of the net, the entire geometry of the court is available to you. You can hit off the court versus through the court. You're taking time away from your opponents. You can hit down on the ball. I mean, the the, the type of volley you're capable, you're able of hitting on top of the net. Ian, you obviously know this. You can hit a way better volley when you're right on the net versus back at the service line. It's not sure. like it, you, know, you don't need to be like, I'm trying to figure out how to say it. Your volleys don't have to get any better. Um, but, but when you're on the net, they just simply become better based on where you are and sort of the, I don't know if it'd be like the science or the math behind it, but uh, geometry, maybe. Yeah. Geometry. Exactly. So they're always trying to get the net because when you get that easy volley, that's where you can end the point. That's where you're in control. And when you're further back, there's just way less you can do with the ball. And that means your opponents can really uh, can really hurt you. So everything they do, all their plays are designed to set up the easiest shot possible, given the situation. So when you're serving, for example, you know you could run like one play would be a poach. Uh, that's a situation where you can really set up a really easy shot. I mean, but these guys have plays for when they're returning, for example, and they're still trying to set up the easiest shot possible. So it's not going to be as easy as like a poach but it's still designed to make their life as easy as possible given the big disadvantage they're starting uh, starting with. So so if I'm hearing you correctly, kind of the, the overarching theme, uh, the kind of the, the backbone or the, the reason why they're setting up their plays is so that one of them or both of them can get close enough to the net to have an easy volley, and easy volleys are the ones that are going to finish the points. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, that's that's essentially uh, a, a good summary of what's of what's going on there. They're just they're always trying to set up the easiest shot possible. Okay. Well, I I think that my listeners are probably thinking to themselves, yeah, that's that's great, and and I, uh, probably a lot of them have even heard that before. They've heard from their their pros in person, or they they've heard in some kind of internet instruction, or someplace else, and I don't know, tennis magazine or whatever that they're supposed to be more aggressive and offensive and they shouldn't be tentative and hang back by the service line, which I think is a huge problem, by the way, for recreational players uh, personally. But they're probably thinking to themselves, well, that's 
that's great and i understand like the whole geometry and all that but there's this there's this little play called the lob for my opponents that always beats me and i you know i get up there i try it and there goes the lob it goes over my head and bam i lose and it happens over and over and over again and, it, and now I'm, I'm like kind of channeling here like <laughs> players that i've heard this you know excuse over and over and over again from recreational players what is their answer to the lob well well here's there's a couple of things i mean first you said uh earlier how do we play like a professional athlete i mean the one thing with the brian being six four, a bunch of people have said to me, "Well, they're six four. It's hard to lock them." But if I'm sure. five eight, then it's way easier to get locked. Um, and I, first, I can say from personal experience, I am five eight, and I don't get locked very often uh, because the trick is, and what the Bryans do is, they are actually using the shot they just hit to evaluate how likely it is that they're going to get locked. Okay. So I think in terms of the recreational player, like, oh, I'm getting on top of the net, I'm trying to be really aggressive, and then I get lobbed, you can't just be aggressive all the time, right? You need to hit, when you hit, you know, your approach shot, your first volley, whatever, you need to ask yourself, is my opponent going to be able to hit a good lob off of the shot I just gave them? And if the answer is yes, they'll be able to lob me effectively, then you don't get as close to the net as if you hit a shot that was really good, you stuck it, and your opponent is running, or you put a lot of pace on it, or whenever, then you can really crop the net because the qual- the chances of a quality lob become significantly less. So that's really the trick. The trick there is using your shot to anticipate the uh, the lob there, and you'll see the Bryans when they play a match, they're vertically adjusting at net. They're moving up when they hit a good shot, and they're backing up when they don't because. They recognize that you know you can't you can't play the same way regardless of the situation, and, and you can't position yourself is really what I'm getting at. You can't position yourself the same way, you know, during a point. You got to you got to adjust your positioning based on uh, on exactly what's going on. Well, I think that's super super smart, and I, I hope everybody listening is really paying close attention to that because. Uh, I think that really kind of gets to the core issue for for most recreational players. I think most recreational players they're kind of they're kind of all or nothing with their their tactics. They're either all right, the, you know, they, they get they finally get a little bit of courage and they're like, all right, now I'm going to play offensively. And like you said a, a minute ago, they kind of go all out and they just close, 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 and they leave themselves totally vulnerable back behind them without paying attention to what's actually happening in the point and what's likely to happen next. And then they'll get lobbed and they go, ah, well, I guess that didn't work. I'm not going to be offensive anymore. And rather than finding some middle ground where they can find a spot to do both, you know, be able to be at least a little offensive and be able to cover the lob at the same time, they just stand on the baseline or they stand on the service line and they're totally defensive and totally take themselves out of the point. Does that sound pretty accurate as far as what you're trying to uh, get players away from? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's a bit of a catch 22. If you're, if you're hanging out at the, uh, at the service line, Mike used the term stuck in the mud. You kind of just stand there. Mm-hmm. You're statuesque. We know, you know, the secret sauce, like we just talked about, allows you to hit better shots. So if you're playing further back, the volleys you're giving your opponent, if you're back in the baseline, the ground strokes you're giving your opponent, those are easy to lob off of. 
So if players are like, man, I just get lobbed all the time. Well, if you're standing at the service line or you're back at the baseline, that's the reason. You're making it really easy for your opponents to lob you. So you need to have some strategies and tactics and specifically some plays that allow you to get forward and hit a uh, an easier shot that you'll be able to do more with. Then the likelihood of the lob goes way down. Something else that, that I saw in the... What you, uh, I know you referenced it in, in at least the first two videos of the, the, the course that you just put out was a specific footwork pattern that, and, and this is kind of, let me just reiterate for uh, emphasis here. I, I mean, this is kind of like the holy grail. We're, we're talking about being able to be offensive and get up and put the ball away close to the net and cover the lob at the same time. I mean, when, when when people hear that, their ears should be perking up. I mean, that's like the best of both worlds. And something I saw you and Mike and, and uh, Bob demonstrating in the first video was a specific footwork pattern that really allows that to happen much more easily. Can you talk about that, Will? Yeah, the, the little dance step. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess you have to watch the, the – it can be tough to describe. It's very easy to do, but it's difficult to, to describe. Um or over the phone, but yeah, it's it's basically a, a forward split step, which would maybe carry you a foot or so into the court. So if you're starting at the at the service line, you'd be a foot inside the service line. You hit that split, you've got your momentum carrying you forward a little bit. Now, if the if you get a volley, if the ball's coming to you, it would be an additional two steps to close on the volley. But then you're really forward in the court versus hitting a volley at the service line. So you're going to hit a much better volley. But sure. if you hit that forward split and then you get lopped, you're in perfect position to move back and, and cover it. You know, you're not you're not too close to the net at that point. So yeah, it, it, it lets you kind of cover both. You can cover the lob and then it allows you to close should you realize, oh, the volley's coming to me. So yeah, great step. The Bryans have been doing that. Uh, their dad actually taught it to them back when they were little kids. Uh, they've just sort of been doing it ever since. Um, and, you know, footwork pattern they use when they're when they're at net, but it's really, like I said before, it's really simple. Like that's an area anybody can copy. It's a very simple piece of footwork there. Absolutely. Well, uh, with that, let's let's get into plays a little bit because I know that's a kind of a a main concept that you're really trying to get across to those people watching the uh, the free course, and uh, I, I guess a big part or a big element to the the success of people moving forwards and trying to get better at doubles is is actually having a, a reason or a or a purpose or some kind of pre-planned something you know out on the court and so that people aren't just running around doing whatever and making it up i mean that just kind of makes sense right that we have a plan and things usually are more successful that way right yeah absolutely and look it's it's i like to distinguish plays a little bit from strategies and tactics which I might use, you know, I might use the terminology strategies and tactics when talking about singles. But with doubles, I mean, you're a team out there, and, and teams tend to run plays. You know what I mean? Like like a football team, they run sure. play. So I like that terminology better, where you're both on the same page and you're both working towards a uh, a specific goal, which is which is a volley right on top of the net or the easiest easiest shot possible. So the Bryans have a play for, like I said earlier, every common scenario they come across when they're serving, when they're, when they're both at net, when they're one up, one back, when they're returning, whatever, they always have a plan and they always know what to do 
um, in those situations. And that's, that's really the, the thing we're trying to communicate here to, to rock players is, is you want to have a plan. You want to know what to do. Be on the same page with your partner every single point, every single scenario. And, you know, let's say you like run a poach, for example, when you're serving and it doesn't, and, 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 you know, you, let's say you're the net man, you cross, but the, the returner went down the line. That's, you know, that initial play didn't work out as planned, but that resulting scenario, you should have a play for that. And then the play would be to get, get up to net and establish the force field, which is the pro's term for, you know, the, the two-up formation. And then from the force field, if you get lobbed, there's another play. Uh, one called the bounce overhead guy, which we will be uh, we will be talking about, which basically uh, is is setting up is using the overhead to set up uh, a poach, basically like a kind of like a poach like situation. It's it's pretty interesting. I had actually never uh, heard of it or wasn't familiar with it until they showed it to me when we were filming. It's pretty neat. So, and I think I think it's a great one for the for the recreational player because. Uh, it takes the burden off of you to put away the overhead and hit this like crazy good overhead. You just have to hit an okay overhead and let your partner who is going to be at net pick off the ensuing shot. Well, going back to what you said about, I guess kind of the, the relationship between strategy and plays, please tell me if you think I'm right or wrong on this. Well, I think a lot of times recreational players will, <clears throat> try to implement a certain strategy i.e. or just for the sake of example uh, of uh, uh, discussion let's say that okay they're going to try to be offensive at the net all right that they're going to try to use that tactic and then they'll try one play to make that occur and you gave this example let's say that they try a poach but the return goes down the line and it burns them and i think what recreational players a lot of times do is they'll try one type of play to achieve a certain strategy, you know, get close to the net, put the ball away. But if the very first attempt at one play doesn't work, they'll totally give up on the strategy. In other words, instead of trying different plays to still try to um, be successful at a good strategy, they'll just try one and be like, well, that didn't work. And then they go back to being super passive again. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, I mean, that sounds completely accurate. Uh, I mean, the thing about... The thing about a play or, or any shot uh, or scenario in tennis is you need to break it down to sort of a numbers game and, and percentages. You know, sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not going to work. But if you run a play and you just happen to get burned that first time, you know, that's the small percentage of the time that you're going to get beat there. But it's still way more effective and you're going to win way more points running that play than sort of doing what you used to be doing, which is being passive and and reacting to what's going on, that is way lower percentage. Uh, and you're going to win way fewer points doing it like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an aggressive mindset. And sometimes when you're, when you're aggressive, it doesn't work out. I mean, if you look at an NFL team, they might throw, you know, go deep 10 times a, a, a game, but they only connect on three of them. But sure, they still, you know, the, your Packers, for example, they're, it, when, when Aaron Rodgers goes deep to Donald Driver, they don't always connect. But their uh, their strategies and well, their plays, more specifically, won them the Super Bowl. Thank you so much for bringing that up. I really appreciate it, Will. I'm, and I, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's tough. I, as a Washington Redskins fan, I don't have much. To do. <laughs> 
Washington here, here's here's the deal. Washington Redskins are an example of how when you pour, when you don't execute plays well, you won't win. But the Packers are an example. <laughs> if you do execute, then you do win. Oh, and here, just to take the analogy one uh, step further, very often, and not just the Packers, but just good quarterbacks and good teams in general. Um, just to kind of highlight your points of being offensive doesn't always work. And I think that's such an important thing for my listeners and, and rec players in general to remember. You, you know, you're going to get burned being offensive sometimes. But as Will was saying, it's a it's a numbers game. It's a percentage game. You you just need to come out ahead one more time than, than you were behind or that you lost running that play. And it was worth it. But yeah. how many times have you seen an NFL quarterback go deep to uh, like their favorite receiver and through a good defensive play or maybe even like a, a fluke play, you know, the ball bounces around and bounces off somebody's shoulder or helmet, gets picked off. And then the next time the quarterback gets the ball, the very first play, they go right back to that receiver again deep, you know, for the same play. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, at a pro level, it's an aggressive mindset. I actually like the football analogy to kind of going back to what you said about sort of the, the professional athlete angle and can we copy uh, what they are doing. I mean, the plays, in my view, are so powerful that they overcome some physical limitations. And if you, if you look at, if you look at the, the NFL and sort of the history of the great players, uh, Jerry Rice, greatest receiver ever, he was not the fastest guy by any means. He was just very good at executing a particular play and, and fooling the defender about where he was going. Joe mm-hmm. Montana, arguably the greatest quarterback ever, did not have the strongest arm, but he could certainly run an offense. Um, you look at the New England Patriots, their system was so good that they, you know, I think it was 2008, they lost Tom Brady. He went down early in the season to injury, and they subbed in a guy, Matt Castle, who had not started a football game since high school. Like, he didn't start in college. Never started in the NFL. And they went 11-5. and five, Subbing a guy in who hadn't played since high school. And it's just, you know, it's all about the execution and, and being on the same page as the teammates. And do physical, uh, you know, does being a good athlete help? Of course it does. It helps you execute better. But just because you're not Bob Ryan or Mike Ryan, that doesn't mean you can't execute and have success using the same system that they use. So, during this week, all of you listening can go check out the um, the free course that Will has up working with the Bryan Brothers, and you're going to learn all about all the concepts that we've talked about today. You can check that out by going to EssentialTennis.com slash doubles. That'll shoot you right on over to where you can sign up uh, for the free course, and that's, that's going to be running through, is it Sunday, Will? Um, probably in the next week, actually. Probably like Wednesday. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah, probably through Wednesday because, okay. <laughs> you know, Labor Day weekend, people are going to be out. So um, okay. I think through Wednesday is uh, is the plan. Okay. So you're going to have, as of today, you're going to have a little bit more than a week to go check that out. It's four videos. Truthfully, you're going to learn a lot. And it's just full of really, really good stuff. And, uh, I mean, the videos add up to, what is it, like two hours worth of instruction, Will, or something like that? It's sitting around two hours. It's a lot. Nice. Awesome. So you're going to get a ton of value just from the free course. There's, as always with what Will does with his promotional courses, there's absolutely no obligation to buy. 
All you have to do is sign up with your email address. And um, then at the end, uh, next early next week or mid next week, you're going to have a chance to sign up for the full course with the Bryan brothers. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the full course, Will, and I guess exactly what that encompasses and uh, what people can expect from that after going through the, uh, the free course. Well, I mean, it's, it's the free course is essentially a very good snapshot of what's going to be uh, going on in the full training. Okay. There's, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, it's, it's the playbook, basically. I mean, it's what do they do when they're uh, returning serve, for example, um, that we're not going to touch on with, uh, in the free training is, is an example of something we would in the, um, in the full course. And they, they run plays, like I said, when they're returning serve, which was really interesting. They're not just up sort of trying to get the return in play. They're actually setting up the secret sauce. Um, so it's, it's more, it's more of that. And it's also, there's, there's a little bit of, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say uh, a technical focus. I would say the exercises and drills that they go through, that they do on a daily basis, that allows them to execute the various plays that uh, that they uh, that they run during a match. So, for example, in, in the second video, we uh, we show we we have the closed volley drill, mm-hmm. which um, they they use to work on transitioning from the baseline up to net. So that would be an example of one of the exercises they use, and there's a bunch of other ones they use. Um, to make them comfortable and make them able to execute the uh, the various plays that they run. Okay, great. Well, well, congratulations on on putting this together, and uh, I mean, in working with them, it must have, must have been an uh, incredible experience. And um, I really hope that it's successful for you. And again, everybody listening, you need to check this out. Get the free course; it, it'll really be worth your time. I, I can I personally vouch for that. And again, to check it out, go to EssentialTennis.com slash doubles. I'll shoot you right over there. And if you end up signing up for the, the full course, a percentage of, of your purchase after going through that link is going to come back to help support EssentialTennis.com, which I, I always appreciate. And you're going to get just a ton of value and information out of, honestly, either way you do it, the free course or the full course. Obviously, the full course is much more uh, detailed, but they're both extremely good. Um, Will, anything else to add before we uh, we wrap the show up? I don't think so. I think that was a pretty good uh, good snapshot. Um, I would say everybody everybody listening, cheer for the Bryan brothers at the U.S. Open yeah. starting today. Yeah. Um, so fingers crossed there. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you uh, going up to the Open, Will? I'm going to be there on um, on Labor Day. I'm going to be there on the grounds. Yeah, I was supposed to go up. I was supposed to be there right now, but Irene uh, interrupted my plan. So I have no plan to go up. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do there. Maybe get up there for Labor Day, but I, I don't know. And if the Bryans make the uh, the final on Friday, um, I might try and pop up. But but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. There. It's obviously a long way off. Okay. Well, Will, with, uh, with that, I'd like to thank you very much for your time. As always, great to have you on the show. Thank you for giving us some insights on double strategy and tactics and plays and uh, for letting us know about your, uh, your course, uh, both the free one and the paid, and the, the, uh, the paid one, the full one. Uh, definitely go check it out, everybody. Again, one more time, that's EssentialTennis.com slash doubles. And, Will, with that, I will let you go. Thanks very much. All right, thanks again for having me on.
right, that does it for today's episode of the podcast, episode number 185. Thanks very much for joining me on today's show. I really appreciate it. I hope you got a lot out of my conversation with Will. Go check out that free course with the Bryans. There's really a lot of really good instruction in there. And let me know if you have any questions about it as well. Also, if you're going to be at the U.S. Open a week from today on September 5th, let me know that. You can send me an email to ian at essentialtennis.com. I'd love to meet up with you if you're going to be there. And let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, comments on last week's show. Lots of really good, thoughtful comments on last week's show. Today's show is already running overtime by quite a bit, so I'm not going to read any for today's show. But if you have any comments, questions about today's interview with Will, definitely post them. Go to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast, click on episode 185, and leave your thoughts and comments. I've, I'm pretty sure I've repri- replied to all of them from last week. I, I do my best to do that every week, and um, usually read some at the end of each show as well, but I don't want today's episode to go uh, 45 minutes. So that I'm going to sign off. Have a great week, everybody. Take care, and good luck with your tennis. <laughs>